welcome everybody to another episode of Lyman Alpha's Talking Stocks. It is Todd here today. We missed you last week. Sorry about that. We're on vacation. We do have some big changes afoot here on the Talking Stocks podcast. As you know, for the last nine months or so, Joe and I have been sitting together, well, virtually at least, talking stocks, things that are on our mind, etc. Joe was a former student of mine, and um, he has graduated and moving on and just got himself a full-time job. Uh, that he's very excited about, and I'm wishing him the best in that endeavor, and hopefully uh, some point along the line we'll be uh, able to get together on Talking Stocks yet again. So this does mean that we will have some changes to the format of the show going forward. Uh, more to come on that in the future, probably some more guests, um, but I'll try to keep it uh, keep it flowing pretty nicely for you in the meantime until we figure that out. Okay, on to Talking Stocks for today. We have a lot to discuss. Um, we're going to begin by looking over Pinterest earnings report. Uh, that stock was in the news big on Friday with a 20% decline, we'll dig into that. Amazon also took it on the chin after some numbers came out that people weren't seemed not to be very thrilled with. So we'll take a look at Amazon. And I also wanna hit on Skyworks, a company that does um, some interesting things in 5G semiconductors that I think uh, deserves to have a little bit more attention given to it. I'll also answer whether or not I have decided to buy uh, the Robinhood IPO or not. I think we should probably talk really quickly about whether or not China is a buy, a sell, or a hold after its recent debacles. We'll do a normal smattering of stocks and I'll wrap it up with um, the stocks that I've bought and sold recently. So let's get started. Lots to cover. Let's begin with Pinterest, which today traded most of the day down between 17 and 20%. The indications were closer to 20%. I think I saw it get down around 19% at one point. Seemed to be bouncing around a lot. Not a lot of um, energy to bounce the thing off of its lows today. We did see buyers come into a couple other stocks that were beaten up early on in the day uh, and rallied over the course of the day. But Pinterest really didn't make a lot of movement. And that is something that we're going to want to keep an eye on, but I thought that it would be useful anyways, just for a little background, dig into Pinterest report and see um, see what's going on. So I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen and we'll take a look at Pinterest um, earnings report. I'm gonna take a look at their presentation. We'll just go through the presentation because I think that's the easiest way to approach Pinterest. Symbol there again, pins, P-I-N-S. So Pinterest reported revenue of 613 million in the quarter, and that was up 125% year over year. So if I pull up the chart for Pinterest, you can see this big drop today on the on that report, uh, where it did report the growth of 125% to 613 million. You know, what's interesting there is you you typically don't think of a company growing over more than doubling, right? In in the stock market reacting the way that it did today with Pinterest, the reason wasn't because of its revenue. Because if you, as we get into the numbers, you're going to see what what the real reason for the drop off was in Pinterest shares. Uh, today, but it wasn't because of the revenue. Revenue again up 125% year over year in the quarter. International revenue up 227%. And in the US alone, revenue up 107%. International accounts for about 23%, I think, of revenue, which is why uh, you ended up getting the, the breakout the way that you did. All right. This 
is why Pinterest sales fell. Monthly active users, you see I have that up on the screen. In the quarter, if they finished the quarter with 454 million monthly active users, but that was down from 478 million in the first quarter, despite being up year over year by about 9%. Uh, for comparison's sake, we were at 416 million in Q2 of 2020. International grew faster than the US. International was up 13% monthly active users, but the US was down 5% year over year. And that's got people worried because people are thinking, well, if there are fewer people engaging on the platform, then you know that could impair revenue going forward. Maybe we've seen a peak in user engagement for Pinterest. I don't think that's the case, and I'll explain why in a minute. But let's let's continue to press on through their presentation. Average revenue per user. So you're taking the revenue, you're dividing it by the number of these users, grew 103% uh, in the US, 163% internationally for total year over year growth of 89%. Well, nothing, nothing really wrong with that. Just remember that uh, we did see fewer users. So you have, um, that is one reason why uh, ARP use increased. I will say across the board that with the social media companies, we did see um, greater interest in digital advertising that has helped pricing. So, you know, this is still overall, uh, a, I think a good thing for the company. Looking at the non-GAAP costs and expenses, the cost of revenue over the past year has fallen from 39% to 20%. Sales and marketing has fallen from 32% of revenue to 25% of revenue. And general administrative has fallen from 11% of revenue to 9% of revenue. Again, as companies scale and they get much larger, you should be able to leverage that for um, operating margin expansion. And that is indeed what we're seeing here with Pinterest, uh, just the EBITDA was 178 million uh, in the quarter from a loss of 34 million in the prior year. And then it goes on to talk more about uh, in more detail about um, the puts and takes of its, um, of its financial statements. One of the things that I want to just sort of step back on here with Pinterest is just to remind everybody that while monthly active users are one metric that can be very you know, helpful in understanding the company and, and the amount of engagement, it's certainly not the be all and end all. As a matter of fact, you'd only have to go back to 2018 to find two examples, not just one, of choppy monthly active users and uh, it not really being a, a meaningful signal long-term for whether or not you wanna buy, hold, or sell a company. And those two examples are Snap, Snapchat, and Twitter, both of which in 2018 saw monthly active users uh, decline. As a matter of fact, Twitter's string of declines in monthly active users resulted in early 2019, its decision to abandon the metric altogether. So we don't even get that data out of uh, Twitter anymore. Uh, Twitter now reports something called monetizable daily active users, so MDAUs instead. And that's a little different than the, than the MDAUs that are reported by um, Facebook and so, uh, Facebook or something, some of the other competitors. It's, it's supposedly a little bit um, more reflective of the number of people who are interacting with the platform and can be shown ads. Uh, so it's considered to be kind of a higher hurdle bar. Twitter, despite you know, again, monthly active users falling in 2018 and the decision to abandon the metric altogether has more than doubled 
uh, in its share price since then. Snapchat has been even more remarkable. Snapchat's monthly active users plateaued and sort of decelerated, uh, fell a little bit in 2018, and that caused its shares to sell off remarkably. Uh, shares, I think, finished the year down around five or six dollars per share. Since then, shares are up about 1,250%. So, you know, while monthly active users is, is an interesting statistic and it can be helpful in the margins. It's only one statistic and I really wouldn't um, focus too dramatically on that if you're considering whether or not to buy, sell, or hold Pinterest. I think that the, the bigger issue here is going to be whether or not the creator tools that Pinterest is launching to try and boost engagement and keep people um, who are really active users of Pinterest, um, turn them into money makers by getting them even more actively engaged with the content that's on there, uh, even to the point where they're able to buy um, from ads directly on the platform or even their content in this being shared and created by content creators and being able to affiliate link out or whatever, however they're going to be doing all those kind of things to try and boost engagement and boost ads. There's a lot of ways that Pinterest can monetize. Um, it's kind of interesting when you talk about Facebook and the idea, whole concept of the metaverse and you start thinking to yourself, well, Facebook is going to have uh, a monopoly on those kind of you know interactions necessarily, and you know yes, it may be a platform that allows you to access other things, but you know you I can draw a line and think you know in my head and say hey you know I, it wouldn't shock me too much if a company like Pinterest you were able to actually walk into a virtual room for example let's say that you're interested in housing and housing design and really explore that room and all the things that are on there and maybe even someday be able to purchase directly from that room and again being in this virtual reality but anyways we're years away from that I just wanted to kind of give a little bit more color into some of the ways that this company could continue to grow so personally uh, I have a full position in Pinterest. I did not buy more today. Um, I own it at a very low cost. My cost is only around $15. Um, if you're new to Pinterest and you're not sure, usually stocks fill their gaps. We have a huge gap now down in Pinterest. Usually stocks will at some point fill that. The question is a matter of when. You know, if you look at Snapchat and Twitter, it wasn't instantaneous that these things took off after their deceleration in, in active users. It took a little bit of time. So this could be a story that plays out over the course of many quarters, not just, for example, one or two weeks. Uh, one of the ways, if you are new to the Pinterest story and you do want to sort of dip your toe in on the buy side, you might want to consider just your position sizing and, you know, just sort of buy a little bit. Don't buy uh, everything that you were going to buy all at once. And you can spread that out over time. So that's that's just my take on Pinterest. Moving on now, let's talk a little bit about Amazon. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen again. And we will pull up Amazon and take a look at its quarter over uh, the last three months and what's going on with them. And again, we'll pull up the presentation because I think the presentation's easy uh, way for us to kind of get the headline numbers out of the way for everybody. So uh, they talk a little bit about free cash flow at the beginning. Um, I'm gonna skip by the free cash flow figures here because I wanna get instead to the sales figures, okay? If you look at the revenue for Amazon, they reported $113 billion in revenue in the second quarter of 2021. That's pretty remarkable, 113 billion. And remember the comparisons really start to get, get pretty pretty tough 
um, as you get deeper into the, the shutdown because of COVID in 2020. But you still delivered 27% year-over-year revenue growth, which is pretty remarkable for a company of this size. I mean, just to put that in perspective, if I go over to my charting service, I'll pull up Walmart. Walmart did 138 billion in the quarter ending April, and that was only up 3%. So you've got a company that of, of you know similar size on the top line, uh, and you can see the difference between, between the two. And the reason that Amazon is doing so well is it's not just, and you can see this gap now that I pulled up the Amazon chart where you know it fell from yesterday uh, and dropped really dramatically, seven or eight percent um, over the course of the day to about 3,300. So I, I think that you know if you look at Amazon's chart, you, you would be a little bit nervous here by the the spike in volume and this drop down, but it is still above the 200-day moving average. And like I mentioned, we did get 27% uh, year over year revenue growth, and we did get earnings per share growth that was up 42%, which is 47%, sorry, uh, which is even more remarkable to $15 per share. And uh, you look at 20, 2021, expected to earn 55.82, up 33% year over year. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is a disappointing quarter, but I mean, you look at those numbers and it's kind of hard not to be really impressed by what you're seeing. But remember, Amazon isn't just all e-commerce. It does have the AWS business, which is um, you know the hosting of uh, the cloud hosting for all sorts of companies all over the place. And that's a big business. Um, it also has Prime, which, you know, entertainment and, you know, collecting the subscriptions off of that, which I think falls into their other category on their revenue line. It has Twitch, which is a gaming platform um, that's very, very popular for people who are watching and engaging on video games uh, with, with content. And it also owns Whole Foods, which of course is, is a very large uh, player in grocery. So anyways, 113 billion in the second quarter, and that was up 27%. Uh, if you break it out here over the last trailing 12 months, 266 billion came from North America, 52 billion from internet from um, AWS, and 124 billion international. So over the last 12 months, you've got 52.6 billion coming from the AWS business. Uh, that's that's again that's that's pretty remarkable. That's a, that's a separate company all into itself. 7.7 .7 billion in operating income in the quarter. Uh, trailing 12 months, 29 billion in operating income, net income of 7.8 billion in the quarter, up 48%. We already talked about that. And over the last 12 months, uh, 29.4 billion, <laughs> crazy numbers, in net income, up 123% year over year. So you know, yes, um, people were concerned and uh, saying, okay, uh, this this company, you know, Amazon is seeing a deceleration in its top line growth. And that's, that's yes, that's true. We see deceleration. We're also seeing tougher comparisons as we go further and deeper into the year. But one of the things that I think is really important to remember with a, com a company like Amazon, and this, I do own Amazon. Um, I have in my portfolio and have uh, before I finally got religion and held on to it, bought and held it um, in 2016. So I'm up pretty nicely on my shares. I do approach it as a forever mindset stock. Uh, so a stock that I, I, I'm going to hold pretty much through thick and thin. I expect that my thesis is going to be remain intact. And one of the things to just remember when you're thinking about a company like Amazon and whether or not you want to buy it or own it is that despite, you know, it's seeming like it's everywhere and how much bigger can Amazon get? 
just remember that, you know, e-commerce sales in the U.S. only account for about 13.5% of total retail sales. I'm going to say that again. So in the U.S., of all U.S. retail sales, e-commerce only represents about 13.5%. Isn't that incredible? So there's still a tremendous amount of runway to continue to grow that business, not even considering these other revenue drivers, such as third party, which is you know, a big business for them, uh, third-party sellers on their site, advertising revenue that they're generating from these third parties who are trying to elevate their placement in Amazon's um, search uh, of products. So you search for a particular product and some of these third-party sellers will pay for advertising to get uh, promoted higher up in the search results. I mean, there are a lot of, there's a, this, this is a big business and there's still a tremendous amount of room to grow. So uh, Amazon, I think, um, is a stock that I would consider, you know, owning. I do own it and I would consider buying it on this sell-off if you don't have exposure already. All right, so moving on from the two of those, Pinterest first and then uh, Amazon, I also want to talk about a company called Skyworks. And Skyworks was also beat up today. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen once again so we can pull up um, Skyworks and let's get out of this. Uh, Amazon discussion that we had and flop on over to Skyworks. And you can see with the stock was down about 6.18% today, uh, 12 points to 184. And again, it wasn't because they didn't put up some pretty impressive numbers. So you look at their top line was 1.1 billion up 51%, not bad, right? 51% revenue growth to 1.1 billion. That was 10 million ahead of expectations. And they reported non-GAAP earnings per share of $1.15, uh, sorry, $2.15, which was better than one cent. And GAAP earnings per share, so GAAP accounting, generally accepted accounting principles, GAAP accounting EPS of $2.02, it was 22 cents better than expectations. They also issued uh, updated guidance for the fourth quarter of 2021. They anticipate between 1.27 billion and 1.33 billion. And that is above the consensus street estimate for 1.22 billion. They're also uh, predicting uh, $2.53 in non-GAAP earnings per share up from 247 consensus at the midpoint. So. Uh, Skyworks is an intriguing company. Uh, what they do, um, they basically help um, mobile devices connect to Wi-Fi networks. Um, they are, have a, a, an increasing larger amount of content that is being used in a lot of these devices. So mobile phones, for example, um, made by the likes of Apple. Um, and their client list reads like a who's who of consumer electronics device makers. Um, you know, do you go to their 10K and you just take a look through some of the some of the clients that they list out? It's everybody you'd expect to see. You know, it's it's Google, it's Amazon, it's Facebook, etc. Um, they also provide um, the chips, the analog chips that allow um, these routers to connect to Wi-Fi networks. And for you know all these things, Internet of Things. Uh, all of these devices that are spread throughout your home to connect to those Wi-Fi networks as well. Um, they also have a uh, growing business in automotive uh, where they're helping um, to improve the communication of the different um, things that are inside 
your automobile. So this is a company that is basically the glue uh, that is helping uh, to connect um, devices, people, and information. So internet content, whatever it happens to be connected to connect it all together. So this is a company that has some pretty big tailwinds, right? Uh, in my opinion, because you look at, you know, just what's going on in 5G, right? I mean, how many people still have still haven't upgraded to the 5G phones? So my, my feeling is that this is going to be a huge holiday season for, um, for 5G phones. And, you know, if so, that would be very good obviously for Skyworks. And historically, there is seasonality for Skyworks, similar there is SWKS for those listening at home. Um, so I, I think that this could be a very big quarter for them. So again, multiple tailwinds, electrification of everything, internet of things, um, and, and basically them allowing that. So that is another uh, stock that I think was on sale today that you might want to consider adding to portfolios. All right. Switching gears over, let's talk quickly about Robinhood's IPO. Robinhood did indeed uh, become a publicly traded stock this week. We covered it uh, on the show a few weeks back. And you can see, um, you know, if you just take a look at their um, activity since they, they went on to their IPO, their IPO, oh, it looks like the high of the day was $40.25, something like that. Uh, they went down as low as $33.50. They traded sideways pretty much at $35.27. Okay, so Todd, what did you decide to do with Hood? I think, you know, it's important to just remember that you don't need to buy companies, even disruptive ones, on day one of the IPO. It's it's tempting, right? You, you it's It can be exciting. Um, it's your first, you know, opportunity to invest in some of these unicorns. So, you know, I can see why people would want to step up and do that. Um, I did not. I chose not to. I'm going to wait on the sidelines. Most IPOs, I want to say like 80% of them, will undercut their IPO issue price at some point in the first nine to 12 months. So, I mean, I think that we, we're already seeing that, but I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that you can be patient with Robinhood. There are a lot of things going on with it that raise some eyebrows, all right? And that, and that, that can be good, all right? I mean, the market does climb a wall of worry, right? And there are concerns with Robinhood. You've got, you know, potential litigation concerns. You've got potential regulation concerns. You've got a user base that is a, has a love and hate relationship with Robinhood. Right, you know they've enabled or the democratization of financial transactions, the buying and selling of stocks for everyone. Um, but at the same time, because of the way that the company was designed, uh, it, you know, with those circuit breakers when GameStop went crazy, um, a lot of people are still angry about a little, uh, still angry about what happened early on in the year and think that the the you know Robinhood is just another one of uh, the machines that are out there that are, are you know, allowing some to win and, and the majority of people to lose. I, I think that over time, um, this is gonna be play out a lot like maybe like E-Trade and Ameritrade, uh, disruptive companies that launched in the 1990s uh, and saw some, some user growth issues and saw some problems over time, but both ended up you know, doing pretty well for investors um, and being acquired. Um, so I, I think that Robinhood does offer some unique opportunity at some point down the line. Um, they do certainly have some great information and insight into younger people. And much like Snapchat um, attracted 
younger users and people just sort of ignored Snapchat because it was all focused on teenagers. Well, guess what? A lot of those teenagers are now in their mid-20s and early 30s and starting to earn real money uh, and are become um, the target of all sorts of other products. So, you know, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not inconceivable to me that Robinhood at some point would be able to leverage this huge user base that it has for all sorts of other financial services products or who knows what as we go forward. There is you know, obviously still the risk though that, you know, regulators could clamp down on the pay for order flow mechanism that provides a majority of their revenue. Um, you know, that's companies like Citadel saying, okay, you know, we will compensate you to, to let us be, uh, you know, have a free look at uh, all the transactions that are occurring on the platform so that we can make perhaps some decisions ahead of, ahead of others and be able to pocket some money uh, and play with the spread between the bid offer, whatever. I mean, so the, that's the cost though of free trading. And, you know, the one thing that I would say that, that Robinhood does have is it has a really good marketing angle. I mean, I, the, the ability to give free shares is, is really enticing, I think, to a lot of people. But they rely very heavily reliant on speculation. They're very heavily reliant on options trading and they're very heavily reliant on uh, what I would call thin pockets or, or shallow pocket, uh, pocketed users, meaning that you know if these users get burned a few times, they probably don't have a lot of money to go back to to replenish their accounts and do this trading. And you know the environment we've been in the last two or three years is not likely to be the environment that we see throughout you know the next decade. Um, anybody who is investing like I was back in the 2000, 2010 period knows that it's very easy to lose money in options and using margin and trading stocks. Um, and those things all work against Robinhood if we were to go into a, a bear market or, or a period of retrenchment. So I am sitting on my hands on Robinhood right now. I am not I am not buying it. Uh, so my recommendation would be just let it, let it play out, see how some of this dust settles. Um, I, I do see a path forward for it, but um, I wanna get a few quarters behind us in the company. All right, switching gears slightly over to China. China, obviously we, we did talk about this on the show a few weeks ago. China is uh, got pretty beat up this past week. Um, we saw a number of our favorite stocks, um, you know, FinTwit favorite, I should say, stocks, take it on the chin. Um, you know, numbers, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Baidu uh, fell from 181 to 150 in the span of a few days. Uh, Alibaba uh, fell from 216 to 180 over the course of three trading days. And this is all based on the fear that Chinese regulators could step up and crack down on um, on these companies um, that are listed here in the United States. I, there are multiple problems with Chinese stocks. And you know we had talked on the show uh, previously about how I'm a little concerned about the accounting um, and the disclosure for some of the smaller Chinese companies. I think there are some real risks associated with that. We don't really know if uh, we have another luck and coffee just sort of kicking around where the where the numbers have been quote unquote cooked and and we're being sold a bill of goods so you've got that dynamic then you have the regulatory dynamic will china continue to allow these companies its companies to list on the u.s stock exchange or on foreign exchanges um or you know could they you know end up arresting other leaders in the c-suite could they 
um, break these companies up. Um, you know, the United States obviously has broken up companies over time, right? And theoretically, China uh, is even more, um, uh, suffers even greater regulation than the United States. So, you know, it's not, uh, I don't think it's a stretch to think that, you know, that could happen to some of these really large companies. Um, that being said, we did see, you know, stocks even in the Asia Pacific region that aren't operating in China, uh, take it on the chin. I think a lot of that was because you saw outflows, we'll, we'll know more next week, but I think you probably saw outflows in emerging markets funds. And as a result, managers had to press the sell button across the portfolio. And that had to take on some of these other names. I'm thinking C Limited is one that jumps to mind. Uh, SE, which peaked out around $300 per share and at the low earlier this week, got down to 255, currently trading at 276. That's a Singapore company. Um, it's not a Chinese company, but they do re does rely on something called VIEs, uh, variable interest entities. Uh, and that's a whole nother ball of wax we'll cover in another show. But if you want to Google that VIEs, you can get a little bit better understanding of why maybe there was a little um, um, you know, sympathy selling within a number of, uh, within SE as people maybe just want to, you know, rein in a little exposure to some of the companies who are using VIEs. But again, I think a lot of that's just sympathy sell off. That being said, um, China, I still wouldn't touch it. I don't, I don't think it's investable at this point. I want to see um, a lot more clarity there. there. There could be money to be made, but, you know, risk reward is high in our ADR best and worst ranking free trial in the link below uh, to the research. China's still ranked pretty much near the bottom of the ranking in the countries. Um, Europe is still better. South Asia is actually better than, you know, if you want to have Asia exposure, focus on South Asia instead. So I would still stay on the sidelines in the China stocks. I would not be going out and buying Baba or Baidu, um, but maybe I would be opportunistically taking a look at SE if you're risk tolerant. Again, try and control your risk through position sizing. Okay, that... Um, covers that. Let's go over to smattering um, and then I'll do new buys from there. So I want to highlight a couple stocks for you that you can add to your watch list. I'm going to pull up my charts. Again, we do post these to YouTube. Thank you if you are following us on YouTube already. It does help us with the Google overlords and we want to make sure that we are able to be found on YouTube and other platforms. So if you would go over to YouTube and search Limelight Alpha Talking Stocks and subscribe and like and ring the bell so you're notified of content, that would be awesome. All right, first up in the high scoring. And again, the way that I come up with these names is I go through our best and worst large cap, our best and worst mid cap, and our best and worst small cap uh, reports every week. And I write down the stocks, the check mark boxes for me that would, I would be interested in, in owning. And I'll put those on my watch list. So first up, is Rockwell Automation, manufactures motor and industrial automation uh, control and power systems. Okay, so think about how we are automating manufacturing production in the United States and worldwide. Rockwell Automation's products allow that. They have hardware that allows for the automation and they have software that controls that hardware. Business is pretty good. Uh, and a lot of the, one of the things they called out on, the, on their conference call was sales to data warehouses. So e-commerce automation of warehouses is definitely something that's working in its favor. Revenue was up 33% year over year in the June quarter. So they've already reported second quarter. So you don't have to worry about that earnings risk. 
And in 2021, earnings are exposed to grow 21% to $9.31 per share. Um, you've got a pretty nice chart here breaking out. That could be all-time highs. Let's take a look. Yeah, so we're at all-time highs. So there's no overhead supply uh, on the stock of people saying, oh, thank God, I'm back to break even. I'll sell the stock. So that's a good thing. So Rockwell Automation is number one. We've talked about Lululemon a bunch of times on the show over the course of the last um, six months or so. I want to mention it again because there is no sell volume in this stock. We have gone from 300 to 400 since May. And if you look at the last, well, really since the all month, July, you've only got one, two, three, four, five, six down days. And all of those days have pretty much been on below. And, and some of those are very much below average daily volume. There's just not a lot of um, instant energy to, to, to unload this, despite the fact that again, we're talking about all time highs for the company. So Lululemon grew 88% in the quarter year over year, ending April 30th. We did cover that on an earnings reveal on the show. You can go back and find that in our YouTube or in on, the, on Spotify or any of the other platforms. You can find us talking about that. Uh, earnings in 2022 expected to grow 46% to $6.88. And I think one of the big things with Lululemon is just the expansion not only into fitness equipment through Mirror, but also in um, clothing for men. Um, no longer is it just simply yoga pants for women. This is, we're talking about athleisure wear uh, and athletic wear for men and women. Um, and a lot of stores and a lot of direct to consumer sales online. I just wanna mention Papa John's Pizza. Symbol there is uh, P-Z-Z-A, maybe one of the better stock ticker symbols out there. We saw a huge run-up in Domino's Pizza this past week. I mean, look at the spike in Domino's Pizza. Went from 484 to 548 in one day on the 22nd. I'm not expecting necessarily that to happen with uh, Papa John's, but it seems to me that, you know, um, the pizza players uh, have some tailwinds here. Um, in the quarter ending March, revenue was up year over year at Papa John's 25%. Um, that came after a 13% year-over-year increase in December, a 17% year-over-year increase in, in, in September, and a 15% year-over-year increase in June. Uh, in 2021, earnings are expected to double, uh, $2.82 from $1.40. So even in the COVID-impaired 2020, this company still saw significant earnings per share growth. And again, we have the situation on the chart where we have Lots of buy days, above average volume buy days since June, and very few. It looks like there's only maybe a handful of down days that are at average volume. So Papa John's Pizza is one that jumped out to me. Also want to mention LPSN, Live Person, LPSN. So Live Person uh, reports next week on the 3rd. So there is some earnings per share risk. Uh, on this one. So just be aware of that before you just go out and hit the buy button. Um, but this is the company that enables um, brands to communicate with you via messaging services. So you go to their website and there's messaging where you go for, communicate through Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp or whatever. Live person could very well be the company that is enabling that discussion. So revenue has been pretty good. In the March quarter, up 38% year over year. 
following a 29% increase year over year in December and a 26% increase year over year in September. So you gotta like that acceleration sequentially uh, in year over year growth. They are losing money still. So it'll be important to see what they say when they report earnings this quarter. But again, I like the setup. Not a lot of sell volume the last three down days. Uh, we're both uh, below average. I think you've only had two since early June. Uh, down days that we're at of at average volume. And you've got a handful of pretty high average, high volume uh, buy days since the middle of June as well. And then if you're just looking at my chart, I do have um, I do have technical formations enabled on my market Smith charts and you can see it made a cup and a handle and it's kind of resolving upward in the handle and now we're at the channel with a 65.77 peak. I haven't bought this stock yet. Uh, it is one on my watch list. I'm going to let the earnings pass and we'll see what happens with earnings. Uh, I'll make a decision from there. Next up, PCTY, Paylocity Holdings. We talked about paychecks last week as an idea that Joe liked. Um, we mentioned very briefly some of the competitors in the space, including Paylocity, that's more digital first, maybe a little bit lighter. Um, again, you're talking about human resource software that enables, um, you know, companies to manage employees. So if you assume that unemployment is gonna to continue to remain low or improve, then this is a company that theoretically could benefit with, um, with revenue growth. 8% um, year over year, nothing spectacular in the March quarter, 11% the year the quarter before that, and 7% growth the quarter before that, single digit earnings growth. Um, I would also point out on Paylocity that they do have, I think they have a pretty good amount of shares held short. So, you know, you're going to want to um, be aware of that. And uh, yeah, P range 35 to 140. So they make money. They're going to earn, you know, about two bucks a share in 2021. So I think that this is a stock that you can put on your watch list if you're, if you're um, so inclined and you believe that unemployment is going to continue to trend lower. And then I'll follow up with one of my longest term holdings, Align Technology, A-L-G-N, which makes um, the aligners that are used to help straighten your teeth, the plastic aligners. And those are, you know, sold through orthodontists and increasingly through dentists. And what we're seeing here is with that post-vaccination world, people are starting to go back and have those visits and those conversations with their doctors. And they're displacing, they have the you know, ability to displace um, traditional metal bracket brackets in in you know for for uh, helping to straighten teeth and you know because of technology improvements they're able to do that with increasingly uh, more complex um, issues of crooked teeth so that's it, it's it's a, a certainly a, a growing market opportunity for them and they took advantage of that last quarter June sales were up 187 percent year over year to a little over a billion which is just remarkable. And their earnings in 2021 are now expected to double to $10.90 per share. And you can see on the charts here, just breaking out uh, yesterday with a fall through day today, both of the days on above average volume. So Align Technologies, one I've owned my portfolio, I have for years. Uh, I think about 1,100% about on it, and I still like it. I still think that there's more gas in the tank, if you will. All right, so that's a smattering for this week of stocks that you can add to your portfolio. And then I want to wrap up and finalize today's conversation by just letting you know the stock that I bought in my personal portfolio. Again, these, these stocks may not be right for your portfolio, right? You have to do your own due diligence. You have to make sure that, that 
these are names that you can get on board with, but I just wanna share with you what I'm doing in my portfolio for full disclosure. So I'll go ahead and I'll share my portfolio, uh, my um, chart service again, um, share my window, and we can go through some of these. Um, the first up uh, is talk about Indava. In the symbol there is D-A-V-A. Uh, it's an ADR, it came from our best and worst ADRs list. And this is a stock that I identified in the 90s. I was mad at myself. You know, I, I really wanted to buy it. And I just, I got too cute. I actually entered a limit order, which I never do anymore um, to try and control my entry point. And that's just dumb. If you like a stock and you want to own some, just reduce your position size and then just hit the bid. And then, you know, you can build your position over time. But at least that way you'll have some exposure to the name. So I had missed it. The stock rallied up all the way into the, wow, you know, up into the 120s, mid 120s, and then pulled back to about 118, 118, 20, I think was the low uh, this week. And I decided to buy it on the 21 day moving average. So I finally coughed up and bought it in the low 120s. Uh, revenue growing 35% year over year to 155 million and earnings expected to go grow 38% to $1.71. So this company helps basically helps other companies figure out how to have a digital presence and um, market and communicate with their client or customer basis. So that was one. Another stock I bought was Palo Alto Networks. P-A-N-W. And, you know, again, this is a whole cybersecurity play. Um, you know, this is, this is a company that helps, you know, identify uh, and secure networks for its clients. And it's one of the bigger players out there. Um, revenue in the April quarter, up 24% year over year to a billion. And earnings per share up 23% to $5.98 $5 expected in 2021. And you can see we're bumping our heads right here on this $400 level, which is the pivot after forming a nice cup with handle. Uh, my expectation would be that we will follow through in this, clear the 403 and head higher. We'll have to see, but I wanted to have shares in the company just in case it did that. We already mentioned one of the stocks that I bought, uh, Skyworks. Uh, we saw that trade down today. Uh, I, we already talked about it earlier on the show, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time on it. But again, they're allowing, um, you know, for the connection to Wi-Fi by the Internet of, Internet of Things and the connection to 5G networks uh, for mobile devices. And, of course, benefiting from those tailwinds. I also bought, uh, as part of the Vanity Play, I've been talking about a little bit on Twitter, at EB Capital, if you don't follow me on Twitter, about some of the vanity stocks and how much interest there is in the post-COVID world in getting aesthetic procedures and, you know, health and beauty. Uh, InMode has RF frequency devices that, you know, reduce scarring um, associated with it and allow for faster uh, recovery times in things like liposuction, et cetera. And we saw just a boomer quarter, crazy quarter, June quarter, so they already reported second quarter results up 184% the revenue was to 87 million in earnings per share expected to grow 55% to $3.26. So I bought that on the pullback earlier in the week. I also added to Duluth Holdings, a stock that I had bought a couple of weeks ago on the pullback to the 21 day average. Um, I have now full, I've now got my, my desired allocation to Duluth Holdings, DLTH is the symbol there. They report on September 3rd. They're sitting right on their 200 day moving average right now. My assumption is that they will be, a, be able to hold that 200 day moving average and build back up off of it. Only time will tell. I also bought uh, Mysonics, M-S-O-N. And uh, unfortunately, before I had time to share that, 
uh, yesterday they came came out and announced that they're selling themselves. <laughs> so they've been bought uh, out. And as a result, you saw the stock trade up on Friday about 11%. So sad, sad to say I didn't get a full position before that happened, but it was a stock that I bought. And then on the sell side, I sold most of my energy stocks. I made some money on some, lost some money on some others. It was a good uh, hedge for me. It gave me some broader exposure to other industries as we were doing that mid-cycle trade. The third quarter is typically not a great quarter for energy stocks. So I wanted to just, I had a lot of exposure to the basket. I wanted to just sort of right size that exposure, get rid of everything, clear the decks, and then take a look and see what stocks re-exert as we get further into the quarter and start to re-accelerate in the fourth quarter. So my, my expectation is that once energy starts to climb the ranking again, and those who follow the research and subscribe to the research saw energy roll down, once we start to see that re-exert itself again, I will start to look at those names. Um, but for now, I wanted to just go back, go to flat on the basket, free up some cash. So my cash position right now, even with these buys that I'm talking about, is still somewhere between 10 and 15%, which is pretty high. Um, considering, you know, for, for, the, for this year for me. And then I also took some profits in Snap. And you know that I've talked in the past where you sell the vertical. And you also know that I've talked in the past how most stocks, you don't have to fill the gap, but sometimes they do, oftentimes they do. So I took advantage of that big spike where it went up 20% um, and trimmed that position back. Still have it. Uh, I still tend to hold it as part of my forever mindset, but I have found historically when you get big gap ups like that, it does make sense to put a little of the profit in your pocket. So I did take a little bit off the table in Snap. So there you go. There was today's show. Uh, thank you for joining me for another episode of Talking Stocks. Um, as I said, we're going to have some changes over the course of the coming weeks. We'll have some more guests come on. We'll do some more fun things. Um, but again, thank you every week for tuning in and, uh, and talking stocks with us.